this week we have a very, very special guest today. Um, her name is Great Blake Smith. Um, she grew up in Toronto, Canada. She has three sisters, uh, one of which played basketball with her at the University of Cincinnati. Um, that was her alma mater. Her sister's name is Elaine Blake. Um, she is married to her husband and business partner, Kenny Smith. They have been married for Michael Jordan years, 23 years together. They have two sons, Kenny Jr. and Emmanuel, um, who is a teenager. Grace, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show today. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is an awesome opportunity. I'm so honored to be a part of this platform. And we are honored to have you and to our listeners, um, Grace is the first female guest that we have had on the show. So you know, clap it up, clap it up. And Grace got to be pretty special to hold that coveted first spot. So it's an honor. I can't wait to dive in. The guys can't wait to dive in. Um, so let's just get this interview started. Um, Grace, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background. Okay. Well, I was born in Jamaica and raised in Canada. So uh, Jamaican-Canadian, so to speak. Um, I was raised by a single mom. And the reason for that is my father was murdered when I was at about a year and four months and my sister was just four months old. So my mom brought us to Canada where she raised us. Um, growing up as kids, we led a very active life. Um, you know, we were always out. We were involved in every activity at school, every sport, you name it, we tried it. Um, it was just an experience, especially being a Canadian, Jamaican, we got to experience so many different um, people and cultures. So that in itself was a, a great learning experience. Um, it really helped us to be well-rounded um, as, as, as young people growing up. So fast forward uh, today, like you said, I am a, a wife of 23 years um, with kids. Uh, my husband and I um, run a nonprofit uh, for the last 12 years now. Um, and we work in the community. We do a lot of a service, community service. And I think that really speaks to who I am. The fact that I believe God has put that on my heart. You know, growing up, you never really know what it is that you want to do. Um, and I know, you know, always very personal, always love sports, being around people. But it's amazing when you let God lead, he leads you to exactly what it is you're supposed to do. So what we do now, I feel, is uh, something that we were called to do. That's great to hear, Grace. But Grace, I want to ask you, really, how did you fall in love with basketball? How did I fall in love with basketball? Oh, my goodness. Let's see. Actually, I actually basketball. How, how old were you when you fell in love with basketball? How, how old was I? Mm. I started playing basketball in the fifth grade. Now, I got to tell you, when I started, I was terrible. I really just did it because, well, all my friends did it. And, you know, it was something to keep us busy. Um, so I did that in the fifth grade, sixth, sixth grade was the same thing. When I got to sixth grade, I noticed that, Hey, we can, we can actually win. I played on a team and we were actually winning. Then I got to the seventh grade and, um, you know, still with the same mindset, it was just fun, something to do. But then something happened where I was on the team and my coach only played me for the last minute of the game in the seventh grade. 
And I thought to myself, I mean, I was angry. I'm like, one minute? I mean, what is that? And so I went and I asked him about it. And I said, you know, why you only put me on, on, on the bed, on, put on the floor for a minute? You know, what's going, what's up with that? You know, and as, as a little kid, I really didn't even use those words to articulate it. I was more like with a little attitude because I felt like I should be playing. But then my coach kind of looked me in the eye and just said, Grace, you don't work hard enough. You know, like you need to start taking this seriously. And for a long time, I think I was just going off of my um, athletic ability because I was athletic. Like I said, we did a lot of different sports, a lot of different things. And so when he said that to me, I realized I was at a point where I saw everybody else growing and getting better. But for me, it was just fun. And I had to make a decision at that time to say, okay, Grace, are you going to really give it your all and try and then see where this takes you? Or are you going to continue with that same mindset? Oh, like it's fun. It's just something to do. And so my coach challenged me. And I remember um, after that game, going into the gym with him and working every day after that an extra hour to get better on my skills and ability. And so, you know, we were um, Scarborough champions for uh, sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade. And then when we got to high school, you know, the, the idea of, wow, I worked, I worked this hard and, and, and look at where we are now. And now I'm, now I'm actually starting. So I really fell in love with the idea of, man, if I worked really hard, I can get to where I need to be. Nothing can stop me but me. I was my own worst enemy at the time, right? So when I got to the ninth grade, um, we, our team was the only team that went to the Ontario Championships for the first year. We're all in ninth grade, we're all ninth graders, and we were all black players. We probably had maybe one or two uh, Caucasians, but for the most part, it was all black. So we went to the Ontario Championships for the first time, and uh, we placed third. All, in all of Ontario, we placed third. And so that, at that moment, I realized, man, we can actually do this. And then what was also motivating was the fact that they had said that, okay, your team is good athletically, but you guys are never, ever going to be able to win an Ontario championship. You know, so to me, what they were saying was, because we're all black, we don't have the mental capacity to win. So that was a driving force for me. And I really fell in love with competition and, and really proving people wrong and showing that we can do, you're not going to dictate to me who I'm going to be, right? So I think that's when I really fell in love. I know I said a whole bunch there, but that's when I really yeah. fell in love with uh, basketball at that level. Oh, wow. At, at what point did you begin to realize that college basketball and playing at the next level was a reality? Well, um, after, so, the ninth grade, we came third. After that, we won the next three years. So we went nine, um, so we went uh, 10, 11, and 12. We are Ontario championship, uh, champions three years in a row. You know, and you, you know that just threw a whole bunch of, you know, in their faces. Like, and that's why we did it. We wanted to show them. So at that point, I realized that, man, I, I'm ready for the next level. I can play the next level. So that was great motivation for all of us. As a matter of fact, our whole starting lineup went to uh, Division One. Grace is Kelvin. Um, the question Kelvin. is, when you, when you transitioned, when you became a collegiate athlete, um, you know, it's a different types of trials and tribulations when you go through playing, <clears throat> just the learning curve itself. 
Mm-hmm. What were some of your highs and lows, and how did it shape you um, when you played college basketball? Well, if I thought I had to work hard um, in high school, that was nothing compared to when I got to that level. It's a, it's a totally different mindset. And um, college basketball in, in, the, in, the, in the United States is a business, right? And so going on that platform, we realized like there was sometimes I felt like, man, we are in, um, like we were working. I mean, we, we practiced twice a day in the morning and in the afternoon, classes were in between. So you really didn't have time to be you know, with the other kids doing this and going here, going there. We are always, always in the gyms. So, I mean, and just being able to work through um, the different things, injuries, you know, wrap that feet up and those, those ankles up and you're out there on the court. So the mental toughness that came with all of that. Um, it was quite a transition, um, but it, it's, I certainly learned a lot from it. I certainly don't regret anything um, going through that experience. Grace. Um... We all know that when it comes to sports and athletics, unfortunately, um, male and female athletics, they're not viewed the same. They're not treated the same. Um, I can't really speak to whether the athletes are treated the same or not, but um, was there any disparate treatment um, that you faced when you played for Cincinnati um, being a woman athlete, or did you just see discrepancies in how the women athletes were treated versus the male athletes. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, as far as um, all of us being athletes, we were all uh, given the same things, you know, as far as where we stayed, we were all, you know, our scholarships uh, kind of, you know, uh, allowed us to do so many different things, but there was a huge difference. Um, I remember, for example, on Christmas break, we weren't allowed to go home. We would all be on campus and the, they were responsible for giving us money so to eat so we could eat. So the female athletes, we would get, I remember us getting like maybe $50 a day. So I'm thinking, wow, $50 a day, that, that's pretty cool. I can buy some stuff and kind of stash the other stuff. But then the guys were getting like $300 a day. Like, I'm like, that's absolutely crazy. And you know, cause we would see them come on campus and you know, some of them had new sneakers. Some of them had like, where are you guys getting all this from? But they were given a lot of money each and every day versus we're our little $50. So huge difference. And I do understand that the um, men's team, I, they brought in a lot of money. You know, at that time we had um, Nick Van Axel, Corey Blunt, and all those guys there. So, I mean, they generated a lot of money with their games. I certainly, certainly get that. I'm not taking that away from them. They were good. But listen, we worked just as hard as they did, you know? We were out there to practice a day like, like they, like them, you know, we had injuries like them. So, you know, we did the same things they did, you know? So, I mean, I, I definitely think there needs to be a change as far as how they treat the female athletes versus the males. Wow. That's crazy. But mm-hmm. we're going to transition. Um, we know in life you learn from your past or you learn from different things. And I like to believe sports, you learn a lot of things. So my question is, what lessons you have learned in basketball that allow you to transition into your current career? Wow. I mean, basketball really was my framework for everything. Um, it taught me discipline. It taught me hard work. Um, I was persistent. Um, I never gave up. You know, I never gave up. No matter what my, uh, my current situation, how I was feeling, 
I knew at the end of the day, I had something to do. I had to get it done. And, you know, in basketball, you were, we were always constantly working hard, getting better, because guess what? The next person was doing the same thing. They were getting better. They were working hard. So, you know, just knowing that, you know, you always had to step your game up, you know. So basketball, for me, was just a, a stage where I learned so much of uh, who I am today, and I applied to the stage I, I you know, where I work today. And I know you're the mother of two sons, but if you had a daughter and she had your 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 skill level and had the potential to go Division One, maybe even WNBA, yeah. what advice would you give her as she's going navigating the scouting process, navigating the collegiate choices, navigating just um, playing at the next level? Um, well, first, I think I would tell her that if if it's something that she really wants to do. Um, that it's not going to come easy. Um, as females, we have definitely have to work harder than the next person. So hard work is going to have to be a part of her repertoire. Um, you know, here's the thing. I remember working in the school and they wanted me to coach the girls basketball team. And I would never coach the girls basketball team because they just didn't have the work ethic. You know, it was like they're worried about their nails and their hair and and I'm like, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. When, when I played, I didn't care what my hair looked like. I didn't even have nails. To this day, I don't even have nails. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. I'm just saying that when you want to get to that next level, you've got to be totally all in, you know? So I would tell my daughter if I ever had her, I mean, she probably would, if I had a daughter, she'd probably be a tomboy like I was. And she would be, um, just know that, you know, sports is a wonderful thing. It opens up many doors. And if it's something that you want, you got to work hard. I can't emphasize hard work enough. I think hard work really can open up all sorts of doors for you, give you so many different opportunities. So I think I would definitely emphasize that. Nothing is going to come easy. So Grace, um, my question is you, just to go back to your college, just, just want you to live this college experience out with uh -huh. me again. I want to uh, know some of the highs as far as whether it's playing What's one of the most memorable uh, moments that you had at the University of Cincinnati as a basketball player? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I think my – God, I had, I had so many – I mean, not just at Cincinnati, because before Cincinnati, I actually had gone to a junior college, right? And the reason why I ended up at a junior college was because, um, you know, remember I talked about hard work and staying persistent and consistent? Well, leaving high school, for me – it was, you know, I took it for granted. And so we had our SAT scores that we had to take. And I remember, you know, staying up and, and doing my own little thing and not studying for those things. But there's a, a way you study for those things, right? And I didn't do it. So because I didn't do it, I, um, I missed it by two points. And so because I missed it by two points, I had to go to a junior college. That was like a low for me because I realized I, it was because of me, my poor decisions, the things that I've done that put me in that situation. But I believe that God had me to go there because he still had a work in me that he was doing. And when I got there, you know, the experience was, I mean, it was unlike anything I've ever experienced. I, I was junior college, honorable mention, All-American at the JUCO. So that really provided the, the foundation for me um, going to junior college. Um, so that was a great accomplishment there. Um, then when I went to Cincinnati, my gosh, 
that's just even on a completely bigger scale because Juco was a little bit smaller. Cincinnati was like being on a world stage, you know what I mean? Because it was, it was so much bigger, it was so much high, it was so much everything. So for me, the greatest experience is just, I met some really, really good people, really, really great teammates. And I think, you know, beyond the basketball, I think those relationships are something that I still uh, hold on to today. So the, and I hope I answered your question. So that was a low for me um, when we talked about what were some of the lows, not getting my, get, get my SAT scores to take me right to Cincinnati, but it was also a learning experience for me as well, if that makes any sense. No, you answered it, thanks. Yeah. Grace, um, you mentioned something earlier that, that kind of sparked something in my mind about the Daily Mail allowance that was given to the women's team versus the men's team. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that the women got $50 a day while the men got approximately $300 a day. Yeah, um, I don't know if you remember um, earlier when the NBA and the WNBA were trying to um, create this bubble atmosphere um, in order to resume sports. Yeah. But um, do you remember reading about the conditions under which the WNBA players were living and, and staying in? Um, I know it was nowhere near um, what the men were experiencing. Oh, absolutely. And so just to, and we actually had a segment on a previous show about this, but um, not only were the living arrangements shabby, um, there were rats. I mean, it was run down. It was pretty deplorable. Yeah. And, and we're talking about on the professional level now, WNBA versus NBA. Yeah. And so with that kind of as a, um, backdrop, how do you feel about the gap between men and women in professional sports, um, whether it's, whether we're talking about pay, whether we're talking about just exposure, and um, what do you think needs to happen to start to close that gap? Well, I, how do I feel about it? I think it's, it's shame on them. That's, you know, that's the first thing that comes to my mind, shame on them. We need to do better. We need to do better, because like I said, women work just as hard as, as, as the men, and many of them have families. So they're juggling children uh, and then coming back to the sport. So, you know, shame on them. I just think they need to really stop and take a look and, and really make some hard decisions here. Guys, listen, we can, we can both do well on this platform, uh, but I think there needs to be more people supporting the WNBA, more of even some of the athletes. Like I heard Kyrie Irvin um, was paying uh, – the donated some money, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, donating some money to um, help with some of the women's salaries. Um, and, you know, I think, like anything, if a lot of those guys really stood up and said, hey, wait a second, you know, let's all get on board, just like we're doing with the Black Lives Matter. Let's all get on board when we see something that's not right, because especially the athletes, they know what it is. They know what the work it entails. They know what uh, being at working at that level, what that entails. There's no reason why women should not get paid just as good as the guys. The fact that they're staying in, in, in places where they have rats, that's, that's unacceptable, completely unacceptable. Absolutely, and I really love that you brought up um, Kyrie Irvin because when you really think about it, I believe he donated, I don't remember the monetary amount, but I feel like it was 
over a million dollars or something like that. Yeah, that's what so, I so even if we took like the elite superstars in the NBA and had them donate that same amount, that would be a significant, um, a significant help to the WNBA salaries, you know, like 5 million from a guy like LeBron or Absolutely. Kevin Durant, you know, people that are making yeah. Yeah. loads of money. Um, and so I, I really like that Kyrie has kind of um, garnered that type of support. Um, I want to go back a little bit to earlier um, when you were introducing yourself to our listeners. And one of the things that you mentioned was how service is a huge part of your life. It's a huge part of what you do. Um and it's something that you and your family, your husband, you guys are motivated about, and you have a nonprofit. Tell our listeners um, about your nonprofit organization. Tell our listeners about the work you do in the community. Um, to just give them like a full scope context of, of your service work. Okay. Um, so Great Smart Services was, was started by uh, my husband and I back in 2009. And so what we do is we essentially, we help individuals go from a place of dependency to self-sufficiency. And that looks different for everybody. So we have different entry points. So um, we work with uh, single moms um, and wrap service, services around them to help them get themselves up and out of their situation. Um, we are currently doing a youth build program, uh, youth ages uh, 16 to 24. We uh, are teaching them uh, construction skills. We're giving them uh, certifications. Um, they're actually right now building a home. And what we want to do is we want to use the homes to uh, service um, homeless veterans. So the young people are actually uh, learning and having hands-on experience um, and, and doing community service, building up these homes to help our, our veterans. Um, we, have, we help individuals with employment. So sometimes people may need to do a training to maybe sharpen up their skills or um, just to maybe their, it's, their skills are a little bit outdated, sharpen up their skills, we give them certifications and then launch them into new careers. So we do a number of different things. It's, it's really hard to, uh, it depends on where you are when you come in. But what we like to do ideally is we meet people where they are. And from there, we work to help them become self-sufficient. Wow, I think that's um, a very noble work and I, I always appreciate working with you all and the work you do in the community. Uh, it, it, it is definitely a great uh, work. Um, seeing how you are, you, you're really a transnational athlete in the sense that you came from Jamaica, came to Canada, picked up the game. Then you came from Canada, went to JUCO, then went to University of Cincinnati, played at a high level. Mm -hmm. The reality is your experience, I mean, you've landed well on your feet. I mean, the work you're doing, you and your husband are doing, it's just tremendous. But um, college athletics isn't always about preparing athletes academically when they finish. And some have even compared it to modern day slavery where you come and do all this work and pretty much say how it's gonna accommodate you. Mm -hmm. What are some of the issues you've seen for athletes when they finish? Um, college college basketball and really have maybe not have the skills to enter into other fields what are some of the issues you've seen well um what i've seen is uh many times when these athletes graduate um 
like what you said, they, they don't know what to do because college really didn't prepare them for that. It was just all about the sports. Um, even like use myself as an example, um, because I transferred in from a, a junior college, when it came for me, I had, I had to do a fifth year. And so I needed them to pay for a fifth year, but the coach was wanting to, well, I don't know if we can pay for it. Um, you know, kind of, kind of brushing me off. So what I said was like, oh no, no, I'm not going to come all the way down here for you to go through all of this and you and not get a degree. So what I did was I went to the, well, first I went to talk to the um, men's side because I know uh, when I talk to the men uh, coaches, they kind of tell me everything that's going on. So talk to me what was going on. This is, they told me to go to the athletic director, speak to the athletic director and uh, tell the athletic director that, hey, this, these are my plans. This is what I want to do. So, but he also said, before you do that, go back and talk to your coach. Let her know that this is, this is what you have planned. And he said, I guarantee she won't, she would stop you from going to the athletic director because she knows she should be paying for your, your fifth year. The problem is most athletes don't know how to advocate for themselves, right? So they're there, they're going through the four years, they, they, they have them put them in certain classes that aren't, that's not gonna get them anywhere really. You know, when I got classes, I would question it. Well, what is this class for? Well, this is what I wanna do. And a lot of times um, athletes, I don't know if they think they can't do it or they don't know to do it. Um, so they kind of get stuck with what's given to them. And so at the end of it, they feel like, okay, I'm graduating with this and they end up not having a clue what to do afterwards. So for me, it was different. I feel like as an athlete, I had to advocate for myself. You know, and I think that's something very important that athletes should know once you go to play, you are giving up so much of yourself, um, everything to go and play for them. You better make sure that you get it back. You better make sure that they are able to take care of you. You know, a lot of um, coaches give you a lot of lip service, right? But when it comes down to the end, you know, they can change their mind, right? And if athletes don't know that they can advocate for themselves, then, you know, it puts them in a really bad situation. Absolutely. I mean, I am always an advocate of advocating for yourself. You bet on yourself. And um, I feel like with athletes, the mistake that some of them make is um, not planning for the future. Yeah. Um, you may be an athlete in college, but it's not like everyone goes on to play professionally. So I feel, you know, exactly what you said. You have to get the education you need. You need to put yourself in a position where you can advocate for yourself outside of the court as well. That's right. And that's, um, something that's never, that's not taught to them. As they think that, okay, I, you know, you're giving me a scholarship, so I pretty much have to do what you say. And yeah, I do have to do it. But at the same time, you know, I have to get something out of this deal as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Grace, um, before you go, um, you mentioned your nonprofit organization. Um, is there any way that our listeners, if they choose to, can contribute to that? Oh, absolutely. Um, what the, if our listeners, what they need to do is go to our website, www.gracemar.org, and uh, get on there, and there's places where they can um, contact us if they want to or, or um, you know, make a donation. Great. So listeners, once again, that website is www.gracemar, that's G-R-A-C-E-M-A-R.org. You can reach out to Grace directly. You can make a financial contribution. 
Um, and I'm sure there are other options and ways that, that they can um, serve as well. Grace, we thank you so much for coming on today. Um, your interview was definitely insightful. Um, it's really great that we got the perspective of a woman that played um, at a high level. And so we, we thank you. And hopefully we can have you come on in the future. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was fun.